Before I start tonight's episode, I wanted to put a trigger warning and let people know that it may be hard for other survivors of domestic violence to listen to this episode. So I am going to put a trigger warning here. I hope that it doesn't turn people away from listening because this episode was very difficult for me to write and is very difficult for me to record. It's not something I talk about often, but I really want to share this part of my story because I want to bring awareness. So I hope that you stick around and to those that do, thank you. When I met my ex-husband, he was just this dorky guy that lived across the street from a guy that I was dating. I mean, if you can even call it that, because we were young. I think I was like 15. I actually did not start dating my ex-husband until about two years later when I was 17. I talked about in my previous episode that I had gotten arrested on false charges and he had picked me up. I had spent the next few days after that at his house and one thing turned to the other and we just somehow ended up a couple and our relationship was not healthy at all. It was very codependent. And I'm not sure if it was because of what was happening at home, like maybe he was just an escape, or if he was just grooming me to be his victim. But whatever it was, I fell hard and fell very fast. And I didn't even see any of the warning signs because most of those signs were my normal we would fight and then break up and then we would get back together and then break up and then get back together again just very very toxic behavior but I was in love with him and he was my first love and I just clung on to him because I was out of the house a lot I wasn't being brought to sales as often. And it just felt like I was finally going to be able to live the adult life that I had always dreamed of. We had gone through a lot of things together. From riots inside of a nightclub or riots on a certain street in the city that we lived in. We survived car accidents Just a lot of really traumatic things together, and they brought us closer. But there was one night that something really bad happened. It was in that time that I had talked about where I started experimenting with drugs and using them to escape my reality. Some of the clients were having me take some with them, so... I would also do it with my ex-husband as well. 
Now, mind you, we were 17 and 18 years old, so long before we even thought about having children. Just two young, dumb kids trying to live the best life, if that's what you call it. I do not know everything that happened this night, and it is extremely hard to talk about. I had taken ecstasy and had a very bad reaction. I don't remember a whole lot from the experience. I remember having tunnel vision. I remember staring at the ground and then it would just all of a sudden zoom up to my face. It was so weird and I don't know how else to describe it. I would hear things but they sounded so far away, but yet they echoed. It was just this unbelievable, horrible experience. After a little while of dealing with all of these crazy things happening, his friend came that had gone through something similar, and he came up to me to check on me, And I can remember just grabbing onto his arms and I said, what's happening? What's happening? And he looked at me and was just very calm. And he said to me, you're going to die. You are overdosing. So I'm going to lay you down and I just want you to close your eyes. The ambulance is on its way and we're going to help you. I was not overdosing on the ecstasy. I was overdosing on DXM, which is a chemical that is in cough suppressant. So it was kind of like I was robo tripping, if people have ever heard of that. So they laid me down on the ground and it just was the strangest feeling in the world because I stopped breathing and I felt my heart stop beating and I just floated over my body and when I was looking down I saw my ex-husband performing CPR I saw the paramedics pull up and they started working on me and put the defibrillator on me and then zap I was back in my body I didn't go to the hospital because I was a little worried about what would happen and if I would get charged with some kind of drug charge. So I just went upstairs in my ex-husband's room and went to bed. I woke up the next morning. I felt okay. But the following weekend, I was offered ecstasy again. And I really wish that I wouldn't have taken it. I wish he would have protected me and told me not to, but I did take it. I just felt like I needed to prove to myself that it wasn't the ecstasy that killed me. I don't know why. When I started to feel the effects of the drug, I freaked out a little bit and started having a panic attack. And then that led to an even worse panic attack. And I was, again, stuck in another bad reaction. 
Except this time I was not overdosing. It was essentially all in my head. Because the week before my heart had stopped beating, my mind told me to power walk and that would essentially stop me from dying this time. So he power walked with me and we walked around the neighborhood for hours and eventually I just became so exhausted I just collapsed. He held me crying and just sobbing so hard and saying over and over again, don't die, don't die. But I didn't even have the strength to open my eyes to let him know that I was okay. Our friend picked us up and took me home and When I woke up the next morning, nothing was the same ever again. The amount of anxiety that I have since that night is debilitating. Nothing looks the same. Nothing sounds the same. Nothing feels the same. I had my mother take me to the emergency room the next day because my heart just was beating weird and I just felt like palpitations I guess they did an EKG at the emergency room and found out that I had actually had a heart attack the night before it was an extremely mild one but it was enough to cause concern my agoraphobia went through the roof and I just became frozen in my bed for months after I think it was about six months he dragged me out of the house and forced me to continue to go outside which in a strange way actually helped and is the best thing for agoraphobic people so I felt like he saved my life He had done CPR while we waited for the ambulance that one night, and then now he was helping me with the after effects. It felt like he cared about me and my well-being, so I fell harder and more and more in love because in that moment when I died, he was there, and he seemed so concerned And like he would just be absolutely devastated if I had died and stayed that way. Looking back, I still think that in that moment he was being genuine. But with someone like him and abusive people, you really do not know if they have an ulterior motive or not. It wasn't long after that night that 9-11 happened. So we got through that together as well. I had a lot of friends that went off and joined the military and were sent overseas. I just leaned on him for so many things that he was just the most supportive person. 
but he was just making sure that I was becoming completely dependent on him. One day, and I'm not really sure when it was, but it was in the winter time because it was snowing and it was a really bad blizzard and I was just so sick. I think I had the flu, but I wasn't tested, so I don't really know. But I asked him if he would come and bring me some soup. He ended up just picking me up and taking me out and told me that we were going to go to his friend's house. I said I didn't want to, that I just wanted soup. And if he didn't want to take me home, then he could just take me to his house and I would sleep it off there. Uh, My fever was so high. I had a really bad cough, super stuffy nose, body aches. I mean, I was really sick and I was just not in the mood for anything. We had cut through a neighborhood to get to the store to get the soup and just started arguing back and forth and he slammed on the brakes of his car and with all the snow on the ground he nearly hit every car that was parked on the side of the road and I was just screaming because I was so terrified that we were going to hit a car and it felt like he was purposely trying to hit the side of the car that I was on and he was just yelling and yelling and I just I got to the point where I didn't even hear the words that were coming out of his mouth anymore like I saw him and I saw his face and his mouth moving but I just couldn't hear anything and that was the first time that he ever put his hands on me He just hit me in the back of the head over and over. And then he got out of the car, opened up my door, and dragged me out of the car. And then took off. And left me just sitting there alone. In the snow. In the middle of a blizzard. Sick with a fever. I had to call my father to come and get me and bring me back home. I don't know why I stayed after that, but I did. I just thought he was high and he would always get angry when he's high. There was always an excuse that I could come up with and that I would use them as much as I could. It was always he was high or he was angry about other things and under a lot of stress with work. Like, I just, I always could explain away the physical abuse and the emotional and psychological abuse. I didn't even notice because I got it so much from my parents. We eventually got an apartment together and God, there were so many holes in those walls. There was actually a life-size hole of me where he threw me through the wall. There were holes where he had thrown chairs or had punched holes into the wall. 
I mean, it, it just went on and on. Like, it was like a Swiss cheese apartment. I was terrified of him. But I think one of the bigger things was I was more terrified of having to go back to my parents' house than to stay with him at the apartment. After a few months of living together is when I became pregnant with my oldest daughter. I don't want to get into too many details, but I'll just say that I was asleep when it happened. I so loved her, and I knew that she was my everything. And she saved my life without even knowing it. Because from the moment I felt her kick for the first time is when I knew that being a mother was going to be that driving force and that I would keep them safe and keep myself safe in the process. I was that fierce mama bear ready to fight for my cub. After that, he became incarcerated and he was still incarcerated when I gave birth to her. Again, it was a blizzard when I went into labor. She was four weeks early. She was not waiting. And she is still just as impatient now. It broke my heart that he was not there. It was because she was so early and he was incarcerated, so we didn't have the furlough in order. When he got out, we had her christened and had this big family party afterwards. There was so many people there and it was just such a beautiful day. But later that night, and I don't know exactly what happened, I know that I was at home and I know that I had asked my parents to watch my daughter and I somehow ended up at his apartment. This one, I did not live with him at. I just wasn't allowed to. And the reason why is personal. We got into an argument and he just picked me up and threw me across the parking lot. The police station was across the street, so I just walked in and filed charges against him. He had thrown me so hard that I actually had road rash They took a bunch of pictures of my injuries, took my statement, and then went and arrested him. Because he was out on parole, he was not allowed to be bailed out. He spent the next four or five months in jail and found this deep remorse for all the pain that he had caused me and asked me if I would marry him. I didn't entirely want to, but I did say yes. (laughs) He told me to pick out rings and that he would get me a proper one when he got out. I picked out a few. They all were princess cut, white gold with a solitaire setting. I'm just a very simple person when it comes to jewelry. I just didn't want anything very extravagant. When he finally did get me a ring, he got me round cut, yellow gold, three stone setting with accent diamonds. It was just a very gaudy ring 
And to be honest, I thought it was absolutely ugly. But I wore it because that's what he bought. And if I didn't, I would never hear the end of it. But I just sit down and I just think like, how could you get it that wrong? But the answer now is so easy to see. It's just that he did not care what I wanted. It was about what he wanted. I waited what seemed like forever to get married to him. We got married a couple months shy of our five-year anniversary of dating. A part of me said that I waited so long because I wanted to wait till I was 21 so I could drink at my own wedding. Another part said, you know, I wanted to wait till I was older. But I think deep down inside, I just really did not want to. I was up in the bridal suite and I was talking with my mom and telling her that I just did not want to go through with that. And I have very little memories of the wedding and especially before the wedding. But I remember sitting in the bridal suite and I just turned around and I looked at my mother and said to her, you sold him to me. But to be honest, I don't know if I was talking about my ex-husband or not. I don't really know what the specifics of that was about. It's like just one of those pieces of a puzzle that I've talked about before, but I don't quite have all the pieces to fit it together. They're just spread out everywhere. And I just have that one piece. My mom ended up giving me a sedative to get me to go down the aisle and told me that she herself would help me divorce him if things went more sour. I was pregnant with our younger daughter. What she gave me was safe to take while I was pregnant. So we got married, and it was a beautiful wedding. He actually looked so handsome. Everything about that day was like a sign from God that it was all wrong. My daughter was screaming and crying during the entire ceremony, saying, Mommy, don't marry him. The photographer had taken us outside. It actually had snowed the night before, so we were all freezing, and the pictures just did not turn out good at all. The DJ played every single song that I wanted him to play while I was out getting pictures taken, so I missed every single one of them. My guests got upset with me because I made him play them all over again. My ex-husband's cousin was in the bathroom using drugs and then there was a fight because somebody else's significant other was there too. His sisters decided to have a food fight with my wedding cake right after we had cut the cake. He did not come with me while I walked around and thanked everyone for being there. He was off in the bathroom with his cousin, probably doing the same thing his cousin was doing. He announced that I was pregnant, despite me not wanting to tell anybody yet. It was such a beautiful wedding, 
ruined by just so much craziness. My heart still hurts because I spent a lot of time planning it. And everything about it was so amazing. The flowers, the colors of the dresses, everything. But everything else about it was wrong. I mean, my bridesmaids and the ushers didn't even write just married on our car. And when I look back on that day, I was only allowed to invite one couple from the place that I worked at and one other friend and their plus one. He only invited two couples that were his friends. The rest of the people were our families or our parents' friends. So the wedding was not even about me. It was not for me. It was for my parents and his parents. 150 guests and eight of them were our friends. The bridal party and ushers were all family. His sisters, my brothers, my cousin, his cousin. I think the only non-relatives were our best man and maid of honor. And it was like even before that because my bridal shower was planned without my maid of honor. They had it on the morning of a day that I had to work. So I couldn't even enjoy that. I had to leave my own bridal shower early. My bachelorette party was absolutely insane. His sisters didn't want to come. So we ended up meeting up with them at a different club. They also invited him and his bachelor party. He cheated on me at the party and made out with one of my girlfriends. His sister ended up breaking her nose. Like, it was just this nightmare. The wedding, everything before, everything after was just a complete nightmare. I think the only good thing that came out of it was the honeymoon. We stayed at this absolutely beautiful bed and breakfast in Maryland. The owner of the Pennsylvania Railroad had bought this house for his daughter as a wedding present. And eventually, they turned it into a bed and breakfast. And it was just so gorgeous. We didn't really leave, but it was just nice to have a couple days away from all the craziness that was the wedding. For some reason, I thought that after we were married, that things would be better. I still was not being accepted from his family and friends. I mean, they had been quite torturous throughout the time that we had been dating. They made it abundantly clear that they did not want us together. It was quite the opposite for my family. They were very accepting. But after the wedding, strange things started to happen. Things that I still don't exactly know what they mean. We had gotten a place after we had to leave the state and he had a little bit of a problem keeping money. So I had to borrow some money from my parents in order to get groceries one time. Just that one time and it was a couple hundred dollars. But we were paying it back for years. It seems like there was just this never-ending debt that we were always paying to my father. 
And I didn't really know how long it went on before that. But once we had gotten that place is when I finally noticed it. But even after, when we were forced to move back in with my parents, we were still paying back this debt that we supposedly owned to my father. I can like remember questioning him about it and he would pull this notebook out and had stuff written in it and he was able to tell me exactly how much we owed. I don't remember a lot of things from that time, but it just did not sit well with me and my gut now tells me that there's something really off there. Before we moved and got married, he had gotten a few charges of either simple assault or domestic battery. The first one with the parking lot was simple assault because we did not live together. But everything after that was domestic battery. After we moved, he had gotten multiple charges of domestic battery on multiple occasions and he always got probation. He had done time, but it was for violating probation on different charges, so it was not even because of what happened to me. Not once did he serve a single day in jail for all of the times that he assaulted me. I didn't report the rapes until many years later. When I had spoken to my father about them, he told me that I was obligated to perform for him. So when I did report them, there wasn't much that could be done. It had been 12 years. That was a very key moment in my life that I am going to talk about in another episode. That detective knew more about my life than I did. And even though charges were not pressed, he said that he knew that I was being truthful and that it had happened. And he had done everything he could to get the district attorney to press charges. I am so thankful to him for that. After we moved... Everything just kept escalating and getting worse and worse until the final fight that I talked about in my previous episode. All in all, our relationship was very toxic, but the abuse wasn't constant enough that I thought that there was something wrong going on. It didn't even come close to what I was experiencing with my parents. But strangely enough, the physical and sexual assaults with my parents continued throughout the marriage. I think one of the biggest things when I look back that hurts the most is how many people witnessed all of the abuse throughout the years. We were together for six years when we moved. And prior to that, his friends knew what he was doing. Nobody could not have known. But nobody helped. Nobody called the police. Nobody testified. Nobody did anything. Except the girl that I was best friends with. 
his current wife. She made sure that I went to the hospital, but she also helped me lie and come up with lies to hide the abuse. Every single person in my life through the eight years I was with him was always on his side and never mine. My family, my friends, his family, his friends, every single person was on his side. My life with him was so unstable that I think if there was even the slightest bit of stability, it would have terrified me more. We were kicked out of apartments. I think there were three that we got evicted out of. We would live with my parents and then live with his parents and then go back to mine. He had a place that I would live in and then he would kick me out and then he would have me move back in. We would break up and then get back together again and break up and get back together again. One time I even just took off and went to visit my grandparents just to get away from him, but then ended up getting right back with him as soon as I got home. Just nothing but toxic, toxic, toxic behavior. I was just so young and so naive. But when I had my daughters, I kept them so safe. And I made sure that they were shielded from all of it. And it was not long after my youngest daughter was born that the last fight happened and I asked for the divorce. And it was solely because of those girls, because I did not want them around that anymore. We made it through. Me and my daughters were so close. Everywhere I went, they went with me, right up until the day he took them from me. I'm going to talk about that in another episode. Opening up about a lot of the things that I did was very hard and triggering for me. And I still have to record this and say it all over again. So I think it's best to just end it there for now. But I will say, before I go, I did everything that I thought was right at the time. Every decision I made, I thought, was the best decision. Those eight years with him were absolutely horrifying. And I don't talk about it because I just don't want to speak bad about my daughter's father. I don't want to go back there because of all the pain. It is just so much more complicated when there are children involved. He is good to his children. I just wish, like, he acted like I was their mother and their parent, too. One of the harder things about being in an abusive marriage is when you do have kids. You try to do good by them and do what is best for them. But the abuse, it just makes it hard to see what that is. 
I thought I could make my first marriage work. I thought that if I just did not fight back or if I tried hard not to anger him, that everything would be okay. Eventually, I learned my lesson. I don't know what else to say, so I'll just leave it there. In my next episode, which I'm hoping I'll get done in the next day or two, I'm going to be talking about what happened in family court. It is extremely hard to talk about that. He used it as a way to further the abuse, as most abusers do. So as always, thank you for listening, and thank you for the continued love and support. This was an exceptionally hard episode, so thank you for sticking with me through it.